to open my lips that my mouth may proclaim your praise. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. You know, I forgot to give that memo about red last week on Pentecost, but some of you remembered. So we've got the Holy Spirit flame going amongst us on this day when the Holy Spirit fell upon the disciples in the upper room. We're going to back up a little bit in the story. We're going to start off in Ezekiel, and it does tie in with today, uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit. So a familiar passage maybe in Ezekiel, God gives Ezekiel this uh, vision of a valley of dry bones. For that to mean what it means on several layers, we kind of need to put Ezekiel in his context here. Ezekiel was God's prophet to the people of Israel while they were in Israel. But then when they were taken into captivity in Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar, he went with them into exile. So he prophesied to them uh, to repent of their ways, to turn again to the Lord, to do that which the Lord had set them apart as a people to do, and yet they did not listen to him. But he continued with them into the captivity that they went into in Babylon. Remember that mournful psalm, uh, by the waters of Babylon we sat down and wept. How can we sing the songs of God in a strange land? And they're saying to Ezekiel, our bones are dried up. We have no hope. We're in the valley of darkness. We can see no way that we as a remnant people, all that is left of Israel have been brought out and scattered. We are no longer in our own homeland. And there is no hope for us to return to our homeland. Exile is all that we are ever going to know. And into those words, this is what the Lord God tells Ezekiel uh, to speak. He shows him this vision of a valley of dry bones. And he takes him to and fro in this valley. He doesn't just show him the valley. He wants to show him that there is no life at all. These are not corpses with rotting flesh on them. They are not skeletons that show that they were once bodies. They are just bits and pieces of dried out, sun-bleached bone. No life possible. And God says... Mortal, can these bones live? And knowing that God is all-powerful, that he is sovereign, his response is like ours. Lord, you know. And so God says, prophesy to the bones. Prophesy to the bones. And so he starts to prophesy, and as he is prophesying, speaking to these dead, dried-out bones, there's a rattling sound, and bone connects to bone. The skeleton is formed, and then the sinews on the skeleton, and the flesh on the sinews, and the skin encompasses all. 
they are alive and yet not fully alive. In fact, they're still living, but there is death within them. There is no breath in them. And so God says to Ezekiel, mortal, prophesy to the breath from the four winds. And we have this image of God brooding over the waters and his ruach, his wind, his breath that brought all creation initially into being. And all of the breath comes. And as he is prophesying again, the Spirit of God, the breath of God, brings life to the bones. Yes. These bones can live. And is so often in these prophetic words in the Old Testament, it's at two levels. It's a word to Israel that's saying, God is still your God. He is still Yahweh. He is still all-powerful. And yes, he can make you live again, and he can bring you out of exile back into your own land. But the second level of prophecy is about a deeper exile. It's about an exile that we all live in except for God because we're exiled from the garden. Inheritors of the sin of Adam We live in a sin-infected world, and so we are all the walking dead except for what happens today. What happened on the cross, what happened in the resurrection, what happened when Jesus sent his Holy Spirit into each of us. So this is a prophecy about this day when God will send his Holy Spirit into his people and we will no longer be in exile we will be brought out and be a restored people no longer exiled from the presence of God because of sin but brought back into a relationship with him because he does all of the actions see one of the reasons that the people of Israel are in captivity are in exile Because they were set apart as a chosen people with a purpose. From early on in our story, from the early chapters of Genesis, Genesis 12 and 3, God calls Abraham to be the father of a nation, a multitudinous nation, a chosen set-apart people so that... He didn't just set apart a people, choose a people because he delighted in doing so. He did, but he had a purpose for them. And in Genesis 12:3, we know what that purpose is. I will make of you a great nation, says the Lord, so that through you all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. That is your mandate. I make a covenant with you, says the Lord, but your purpose is that through you all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. You will be a royal priesthood. You will be a priest like the Aaronic priesthood, like the priesthood of Aaron, 
insofar as the priests mediated God's character, his goodness, his ways out to the people. That was what the priests in the line of Aaron in the Old Testament were to do. They were to bring God out into the people. The nation of Israel were to be priests to do the same things, not just to the Jews, not just to themselves, but out to all the Gentile nations. They were to be that kind of a priest that mediated God out. They were also to be the priests that gathered in the praises of the people and reflected those back up to God. So it's this through, it's this two-way street. They were to be a royal priesthood. They were to be the people through whom all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And they had not done that. They found themselves to be part of the problem. Because sin was also within them. Where else have we heard about a royal priesthood? We've heard about it in Peter. In Peter's letter. You, he says of the church are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You see, we oftentimes hear that Pentecost is the birthday of the church, but this this gives us the erroneous impression that the church just kind of suddenly sprung into being on the day of Pentecost. But the church is from the beginning because ecclesia, the word for church, means set apart, a set apart people, just as Israel was a set apart people. And so the history of God's rescue mission that was from the beginning of our story with God is continued through. Israel was a set-apart people to be a blessing to all of the nations. What Israel as a nation could not do, Jesus, as an Israel of one, with a true lineage, who comes through the line of Abraham, becomes that Israel of one, in whom is both the people of Israel and the growing national church. He is in himself, in his body, both the solution, the rescue plan, the fulfillment or the beginning fulfillment of that which, for which a people were chosen and set apart in the first place. For Paul knows this. Paul, a Pharisaical Jew, knows this. In writing to the Galatians, he said, Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, as of many. But it says, and to your offspring. That is, Paul says, that is to one person. Who is Christ? See, Abraham, a set-apart people, the seed singular of Abraham comes all down the line from Abraham, Isaac, 
Jacob, who is renamed Israel, to the 12 sons of Israel who become the 12 tribes of Israel. This great nation who comes out and whose the promises of God is fallen upon them. They are a multitudinous nation. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the 12 tribes, Israel. But it collapses down into a single point of one who is representative Israel, the seed singular of Abraham, as Paul says. And in this one is the whole rescue of all of mankind to bring that final restoration, to bring all back from exile into relationship with God. See, and here comes the reason why they needed to come up with a twelfth disciple. The twelve tribes of Israel. Jesus chose twelve disciples. After Judas betrayed Jesus, they needed to make up the full number of the twelve, the new Israel coming down to a pinpoint on a cross outside a city wall at Golgotha and then to come out again. So that the twelve, we don't ever hear again that when they died off, they need to bring another one into their number. No. Between the ascension and the coming of the Holy Spirit, there are the twelve who are now The beginning of a new Israel with exactly the same mandate, but now different. To be a blessing to all the nations, to all the nations of the earth. And so as the twelve gather, they are filled with that which was promised, that which was promised in Ezekiel, that which was promised in Jeremiah, that which was promised in Joel, and Peter recognizing this. When they come out after the Holy Spirit has fallen upon them and they're given these languages so that they can bless all nations because they're given the language of all nations. And power comes on them to spread the gospel in power and in truth. The Holy Spirit comes as advocate, as guide, as comforter to bring us into all truth. And the Holy Spirit falls upon them and everybody outside is going, they're drunk. And Peter says, it's nine o'clock in the morning. This is, we're not drunk This is the work of God's Holy Spirit to bring all nations with different languages who were dispersed after the Tower of Babel with different languages. Now there's one language, one faith in brought together in Jesus Christ. And he says this, he he quotes Joel, the prophet Joel, in the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy 
and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit. And so begins the power of those set apart to continue that which God had from the very beginning of our story, that we would be a blessing to the nations, a royal priesthood, a holy nation that is the new Israel, that is the church that continues on the promises of God, the rescue plan of God. And Jesus knows that he cannot do it even in his resurrected body by himself. Even in his resurrected body that can go at will. He cannot reach all of the nations of the earth. But if he creates a people who are set apart, who come down from the twelve, but who are his body, which is what we are, His body, the church, when we are baptized, we die with him on the cross. We come out of the tomb. We are raised with him. And we receive his Holy Spirit. So as Christ's body, the church, we continue, but not in our own strength, which Israel could not do in their own strength. We don't do this in our own strength. We can be a blessing to the nations only insofar as we allow his Holy Spirit full reign of our lives. That we give over our lives to his Holy Spirit working in us. And it's the Holy Spirit, it's Christ working through us, who then is the agent to bless all of the nations of the earth. So that they may know the God who loves them, who rescues them who brings them out of walking dead into new life. Paul says it this way, we're the grafted in branch to the rootstock. We are grafted in to the olive branch. Paul says in Romans, but some of these branches from Abraham's tree, some of the people of Israel have been broken off And you Gentiles, who were branches from a wild olive tree, have been grafted in. So now you also receive the blessing God has promised Abraham and his children, sharing in the rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. See, the church didn't just spring into life. It is the continuation of God's rescue plan, of God's rescue of his beloved children. And he tells us that through his prophets. And the early church looked back and said, oh, that's what he meant. Oh, that's what he meant in Isaiah. 
when he was looking, when he was talking about the four servant songs, the servant is a servant of one, not the nation, and it's a suffering servant, a servant who is wounded for our transgressions, an Israel of one that brings out the blessing that continues on through the twelve and through those who inherit the work of the twelve through our baptism. And so that, the second level of prophecy in Ezekiel comes to pass. I will pour out my spirit on the new Israel, on the Israel of God, the dry bones coming together, rattling together, sinew on the bones, flesh on the sinews, skin on the flesh, living, not the walking dead, but the walking living who walk into eternal life because of that which God has done. A former Archbishop of Canterbury, William Temple, famously said that the church is the only society on earth that exists for the benefit of its non-members. The church is the only society on earth that exists for the benefit of its non-members. We're not a closed club. Those doors are always open. I wish they were so physically, but they are always open the church, Christ's body, is open to always receive those so that they may be blessed. But we're not only called to keep open doors, we're called to go out of those doors. We're called to go out so that we can fulfill that which the Lord provided for us, to be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. And for that purpose, he gives his Holy Spirit to each and every one so that the temple in Jerusalem is no longer needed because that's no longer the place where God dwells. God dwells in you through his Holy Spirit. You are the dwelling place of God. His Holy Spirit comes and dwells in you. You are the temple of the Lord. And he has given gifts, different gifts, different spiritual gifts to each and every one. Sometimes more than one gift. Because individually, we are not Christ. Corporately, with all the gifts that he's given, we're the body of Christ. Paul says elsewhere, the eye can't say to the foot, I have no need of you. The foot can't say to the eye, I have no need of you. We need eyes to see and feet to get us there. In other words, each and every one is an absolutely critical member of the body of Christ. And if each one is not living according to the gifts, then we are a cobbled church. We are a limping body of Christ. Because we're not fulfilling that which corporately God has provided for us to do. And the gifts are varied. Might have a gift of uh, intercession. Might have a gift of hospitality. You might have a gift of helps. You might have a gift of administration. The gifts are numerous. But every single one is needed. 
for the healthy working of the church. Everybody through their baptism has received the Holy Spirit, but has the Holy Spirit really been given the fullness of your life? Or are you dampening down the power of the Holy Spirit? Are we pure and free and open conduits of his Holy Spirit to work with power out into the world? You know, there are ways of grieving God's Holy Spirit. There are ways of blocking the power of God's Holy Spirit and he won't break through against our will. We've got to give over our wills for him to work. And some of the things that block God's Holy Spirit are things like unforgiveness and anger and all of those things that Jesus talks about. But when the Holy Spirit, who is the truth, brings those to mind and we repent of them, then we open him up to work in great power through our lives so that we will be that which God purposed for us to be, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, so that all the nations of the world may be blessed in us. This is the prayer of today's collect. O God, who on this day did open the way of eternal life to every race and nation by the promised gift of your Holy Spirit, shed abroad this gift throughout the world by the preaching of the gospel, that it may reach to the ends of the earth through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.